What up, everybody? Kevin here, and welcome back to the Bible in a Beer podcast. Today's episode, we do Lexio Divina on Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, with Father Philip Shoemaker. Make sure you stick around for other awesome weekly content, including bonus interviews like the one that we have with Father Philip on his time as a priest and his time in the baby parish of Milwaukee. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have one over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Father, I'd have to say, I think you picked a, uh, a pretty loaded passage here, in a good way. Lots of content that we could definitely uh, unravel and unpack here. Uh, I guess first question, why this one? Why this passage in general? Is there something that kind of jumped out to you, or is this one of your favorite ones? Or One of the reasons that I've always liked this passage um, is for the last, the last phrase, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. I'm pretty sure uh, I've asked scripture scholars about this, and they agree with me. But that's actually uh, in the passive voice. Uh, so, believe it or not, a better translation would be almost like the ones having been gathered, mm. um, as opposed to you know two or three people come together and they summon down the Lord, if you will. It's no, they've actually been gathered by the Lord, uh, and so that's what's always really attracted me about this passage. It's an undoing, if you will, of the ego of humanity in the mm. sense that very often we think we're the center of the world and we think we uh, control things, we summon down God, if you will, when in, rea- when in reality uh, he is the one who calls us together. That's central to our faith, yeah. that grace precedes any good action um, that we have. It must be any good action we have is a source of grace. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. When I think of... Um some of the ancient traditions you hear for other cultures, uh, not to make too much fun, obviously, or too light, but um, like people shaking the rain sticks and doing the dances and stuff for, uh, you know, for agricultural gods or for you know, the rain gods or the, the sun gods, stuff like that. It does seem, uh, from that standpoint, what you're saying, it's driven a lot by if we just do this specific action, we will get this specific thing. So if you do X, you get Y necessarily from that. Um, or if we don't do Z, uh, then we're punished, right, in that sense. So it seems like, what you're saying is is really actually the opposite, that the Lord, regardless, he validates us in all of these things, um, that he provides for us even in the times where we don't respond to him um, and will still provide for us even in the times where we do, right? So it, regardless, he's still pouring out those graces at all points in our lives, right? Uh, instead of just waiting for us to do something or not do something. Uh-huh. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, uh, and I'm trying to just quickly call to mind who's the prophet, isn't it Isaiah, who kills the... the um Prophets of Baal, mm. is that not mm. Isaiah? Yep. Is that is not the story? Uh, Elijah. 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 Yeah, Elijah. Thank yeah. you, thank yeah. you, Elijah. Um, so it's Elijah uh, who kills uh, um, the prophets of Baal. And yeah. that, that story is fascinating where basically Israel has forsaken 
the Lord their God, and Elijah is one of the last holdouts, if you will, who is faithful to the Lord, and much of Israel has gone to uh, this this God Baal, and there's yep. prophets of, of Baal and priests of Baal, and so Elijah challenges them to a duel, if you will, uh, <laughs> to to who's going who to to prove whose God uh, is real, mm-hmm. and uh, there's the great scene. They set up two altars for sacrifice, and the prophets of Baal are literally dancing around their altar, and uh, Elijah is mocking them. He's like, oh, maybe your God had a lot to eat for lunch, basically, (laughs) and he fell asleep. You need to make more noise. And they work themselves into a frenzy. Mm. And the whole time, Elijah is confident that the Lord, his God, is present, not because of what he's done, but because of who God is. Um, Mm. And But there is that sense that that we have, and even even in our own faith, sometimes we think it's like, and even in this passage, we get the sense that Oh, if if I just pray the right way, mm. if if I just say enough prayers, the Lord will answer uh, my prayer. Uh, he does answer all of our prayers, but not always, of course, in the way that we desire. He because He is the one who has gathered us. Mm. That's always the reminder: is that He is the one who has gathered us. So He is calling us to something else above and beyond um, our own will or our own desire. Sure. Mm-hmm. Is Elijah, side note, is Elijah the one that also sicked the uh, she-bear on the children that were making fun that of him? That was Alicia. 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 Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia was doing that. Yeah, it's tough. That's tough. Well, the prophets, man, they're really messing people up. Yeah. That's, huh. that's something else. Um, yeah, to your point, it made me think of a reading, I think actually from today, uh, where Jesus says, uh, this is just part of the gospel reading, so not to, to confuse people, but uh, it says, to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, uh, but you did not mourn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to your point, I think that we can either have this this feeling of we we just need to like pray everything away, we can we can pray suffering away, which I think is such a natural part of, of human life, right? And I think we, we have this eagerness to to get rid of it, um, or we can just completely be distracted and kind of obtuse about the fact that the Lord's very present in our lives, because He talks about how you know John the Baptist comes and does all these extreme fasting and things like that, and people are like. What is it like? Who does this guy think he is? And then Jesus comes and like drunkard, like he's yeah. he, now he's eating and drinking, and it's just like, well, which way is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I think we tend to live in this extreme, and I think to your point, we have to let the Lord come into our lives and act in the balance that He is, and balance even like you said, in a way that we're not expecting, or maybe the way that we want, but the way that He knows is best for us, right? Yeah, and it's it, the temptation, of course, the the rudimentary. Sin is always, of course, pride. Mm. That's what the fall mm. is. It's always pride. So the temptation for humanity is always to turn in on ourselves, yeah. um, to try and assert our will uh, over either the Lord's will or anyone else's will in our life. That's mm-hmm. always our temptation. Uh, and somewhere the next, you know, it's the root of all evil. Yes, is money, but, you know, pride. Yeah. You know, pride is the rudimentary sin. And so we forget that sometimes if something's happening uh, to us in our life, Maybe it's meant to be happening. Yeah. You know, how, how can we use it? And not, not in the sense that, you know, God's not this evil magician who might be, you know, if you causing us suffering, right? He's, yeah. you know, he's sent a curse upon us. No, yeah. life happens. Yeah. You know, sometimes there is, not sometimes, there is suffering in life. Yeah. And the question for us is, okay, how can we use it now? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we use the position I'm in, whether it's a, a moment of, we're talking about suffering, but whether it's a moment of joy, whether it's a moment of, of consolation, if you will, as, as uh, the spiritual fathers talk about it, uh, specifically St. Ignatius of Loyola, right? A moment of consolation or a moment of 
desolation spiritually, yeah. uh, where we don't feel connected to God, regardless of what's happening, how can we use it yeah. um, for Almighty God? And we know that the beauty of it is if we stay in the grace of God, what we're doing will necessarily be graced. That That's the beautiful part about it, even when we don't even recognize it. Case in point, I guess, a little anecdote from my own life. Um, I remember trying to discern college, if you will. You mm. know, I, I was, I was actually, when I was looking to go to college, I wanted to find a place that would, um, I could continue learning about my faith. And I kind of agonized a little bit over which place to go. Uh, and now when I look back, it was, it was so clearly obvious where I should go. Yeah. You say hindsight's 2020, 20, mm. but in the moment you, you get, caught up in it and it's like, oh, I, you know, I don't know where to go. Uh, I don't know what to do. Well, well, I think this is the right choice. You choose it. And I would say uh, where I chose to went was very instrumental uh, in my vocation. Sure. Um, and so, and and learning more about the faith and, and growing as a person in in holiness um, and and as a man um, in, in yep. the faith and living the faith. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us have those moments where we're in the moment. It's hard to see what's the right thing to do. Yeah. But then when we look back upon it, it's like, oh, it's, how did I not know in the moment? Yeah. But the point being is if you stay in the grace of Almighty God, he will lead you to what you're supposed to be doing, and he will use whatever is happening to be brought closer to him. Yeah, like Paul having the scales lifted from his eyes eventually, yeah. but he was still being led by God in that entire situation. Yeah, I think we've all been there. I feel like as as men especially, where you have this like, I need to know where I'm going, I need to know what I'm doing, and have everything laid out and all these things. And like, I couldn't tell you like how many times that I thought I'd be in a different place than I am now. And yeah. what a wonderful place I'm in now. I'm, I'm so blessed to, to be married to a wonderful wife and have a child on the way and all those things. But I think when I was in college, I would have thought, oh, all this stuff will come sooner. And I remember like having those prayers like to God, be like, why am I not where I'm supposed to be, where I where I want to be and all these things. And then I look back and like, man, I'm such a whiny ass. <laughs> like, like, shut <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's like you said, though, that's all like part of the process to, to get there. True. It's just like, but you look back, you're like, ah. And so I hear a lot of people now in the community, in the Catholic community in Milwaukee is talking about like, I, you know, I would love to, to have a spouse. I think that's a beautiful thing to desire. I want to be in my vocation. Again, beautiful thing, but... Yeah, it's just like truly like the Lord makes up time in no time, right? And he'll put us in that position like when he knows we're ready for it. <laughs> That's like the biggest thing. But it's hard. It's As humans, like we're so stubborn. Another story um, uh, from my own life that I remember. So I went to University of St. Thomas in mm. St. Paul. Um, this, they did not pay me to say that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Next uh, up, a uh, word from our sponsor. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> no, it's, they have a great Catholic studies program up there. But anyway, um, uh, that's the, the one reason I went there was because of their department. But I remember uh, I started probably after my freshman year, uh, started discerning priesthood, whether mm. I, I should be a priest or not. And it's, it's always a moment of great angst, you know, of, of, of kind of unclarity. And it's like, what should I do? What do you want me to do, Lord? And you just feel torn. Um, um, and it can kind of wear on you. Um, and my first year, I was, uh, when I was accepted to St. Thomas, I was offered a number of academic scholarships, and I had to maintain a B average to, uh, to maintain those scholarships. And then after my freshman year, after the second semester, I had a 2.9 GPA, yeah. uh, which Right there, man. Yeah, not <laughs> right good. Um, uh, so I was, I was, they were, I was put on suspension mm. for my scholarships. And I remember that summer when I was home and, and doing some stuff, I remember praying a lot. Um, I remember one night uh, I was 
praying before bed, and I was thinking like, well, what do you want me to do, Lord? You know, you want me to be a priest, blah, 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 this, that, and the next thing. And it came to me as clear as day, is be a good student. Yeah. Like that, that, those are the words that I like literally just came to me, and I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, like are you sure? Like, yeah. are you talking to the right person? Yeah. Or, like, really? Is yeah. that what I gotta do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like it was just one of those profound moments. Like, actually, do what you're supposed to be doing yeah. now. Yeah. And the Lord will work through that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, and, but it is so true. The other thing, of course, is we look at um, we just celebrated the feast of the Immaculate Conception mm. yesterday, and we have Mary's. Fiat, her yes, which of course undoes, if you will, the no of yeah. of of Eve, and, and well, essentially Eve says yes to herself, and right. Mary says then, of course, yes to the Lord, uh, yeah. to the Lord yeah. um, and to His will. And you can't help but think, of course, one would have presumed that Mary and Joseph would have all sorts of plans. Yeah. Um, you know, this is what they were going to do. This is what was going to happen with their life, yeah. um, and then. No, well, I'm the I'm the handmaid of the Lord, and the, her, Mary's only concern is her purity. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Mm. Her only concern is the, her, is her purity, wanting to maintain her purity. And once she hears that she will remain pure, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Yeah. Talk about faith. I mean, I would we be willing to just like forsake everything tomorrow, like our house, our job, yeah. everything that we've ever done or planned for to just say, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, sure. Yeah. You know, I would say um, I'd have a hard time doing that, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, not even from like a materialistic standpoint, but I think you, you get to this, um, this ideal. And I think when people think idolatry is an example, I think you tend to think of like in the pagan sense of like you have you know the golden calf and all that stuff. But I think we make idols out of so many things in our lives, and even sometimes good things, right? Like things that maybe that the Lord is doing for us. Like I had a friend who said this, I thought was really poignant and salient. She brought up um, just like how the Lord heals us and all the healing that He's done in her life, and which is a really beautiful testimony. But she said like I realized that I was starting to make an idol out of healing. And it started becoming just about like, okay, Lord, here's the next thing. Heal this and now heal this and heal this. And I thought that like, what a great point to recognize the fact that like you've become more, she's a, a very good Catholic woman. So I don't want to say consumed in, in a negative way, but she was focused on just the healing aspect instead of like, whatever the Lord wills for me, whether it's negative or positive suffering or it's or healing, right? Mm-hmm. What is the Lord asking for me in that? And so we, yeah, we tend to make idols out of these things that we don't even realize. And that can be sometimes like the, the tricky part or like you said, pride can be that, but it's so insidious that we don't even realize. Have you ever read Screw Tape Letters? Yeah. 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 That's, he does a great point of that. Like even taking the good that this man is going through and trying to pervert it. That's what the, what the devil always yeah. does. And that's what, yeah, unfortunately, we do as well. Yeah, but it, sometimes it's not just about healing or woundedness. Sometimes it's about acceptance. Yeah, you know, and saying, "Okay, if this is the way it is, that's the way it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use it to glorify God. Yeah, you know, how can I use it to glorify God? And not only that, what if we look at well, the Gospels? Um, if we look at all of the saints, they rejoice in their suffering. Yeah, like that's, and we live in a, a world and a culture that's so antithetical to that. We try and avoid suffering as much as we can. I was, um, uh, I think it was June of 2020 or something like that. I was in the hospital for um, I had an appendectomy. And <clears throat> I remember they had a sign in the hospital that said, 
pain management is our goal. I'm like, <laughs> well, I actually hopefully healing is your goal. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want you just to manage my pain. I actually want to get better. And I might feel pain in the moment, but yeah. you know, get me better. Yeah. Don't just manage mm-hmm. my pain. Yeah. That's not that's not what it's about. And so but that's that's that speaks to our culture. That speaks yeah. to the people in the hospital. They just want it, pain to go away. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. not of course the cross. You yeah. know right. yeah. um that's the prayer in the Gethsemane. Yeah. Um Remove this cup, but my, not my will, but yours uh, be done. Yeah. And, of course, there is then the cross. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, you were talking about um, humility, or, or I'm sorry, pride, and I think, like, what you, yeah, exactly, like, that's an antidote to pride is that just reliance on God, um, you know, and, and just being okay with suffering in the moment, even if you don't understand it. I definitely have the issue that, like, if I don't understand a thing <laughs> that I'm not okay with it. It's mm-hmm. like just give me a reason and then I'll yeah. do it. And it's like just being okay with you know. Sometimes you're not going to know why God has something, why He's doing, letting something happen to you. I think in that suffering too, and we've talked about this quite a few times, but just what do you do with that suffering in that moment? Because there's something so sanctifying for you, but also for other people when you're able to to give that suffering back to the Lord um, and give that up, whether it's you know something simple like fasting where you're choosing or suffering that you don't choose. If you bear that cross well, and hopefully in a non-prideful way, obviously, uh, but just give that back to the Lord and say, you know, in reliance, I don't know why this suffering has been put upon me, but I'm just trusting, Lord, that this is something sanctifying for me. Um, and if I can give this up and suffer well in this, praying for somebody else's soul, maybe praying for the souls in purgatory, just as an example. Like, I, I forget to do that all the time during Lent when I'm fasting. Like, I always forget to like offer up prayers in conjunction with the fasting, mm-hmm. which is, but it's such a powerful thing to be able to do that, but you always forget too, because it's just like, I'm just thinking about the next meal, just thinking about the next <laughs> meal, you know? But it's, it's a beautiful thing when you remember it too. You can offer it up for specific intentions. You know, um, one of the things I've often suggested to people uh, is that, you know, if you have a parents whose children aren't practicing the faith, offer stuff up for your child specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, and that hurts, like, talking with parents who... Um, who have children not practicing the faith is very difficult for them. And so, but you can, you can do that or a sibling yep. or, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in that, that aesthetic practice that, you know, the, the choosing of suffering, fasting, whatever it, you might choose, that's like, it's weird. It's like a prayer multiplier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to pray for someone, but it's another thing to suffer for them as well. And yeah. I guess, yeah. Case in point is Jesus Christ on the cross. Because yeah. his prayers for our salvation and what does it accomplish our salvation? So then when we suffer too, we accomplish not only our salvation but the salvation of the world. Yeah. We continue, um, as Saint Paul says, we we make up for where the sufferings of Christ lack, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But the point mm-hmm. is that as we continue to suffer and offer them up, we continue to bring about salvation in the world, which yeah. is often an awesome an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. St. John Vianney, gosh, he, he's a fascinating saint, but he, the guy would listen to like 16 hours of confessions or something, yeah. weird, like yeah. 12 to 16 yeah. hour <laughs> confessions a day. He lived, I think at the end of his life, he lived off like two or three potatoes a day or something like that, had very little sleep, and the sleep that he often had was full of, of oppressions where the, uh, the devil would appear to him mm-hmm. and try to, you know, shake his faith. And at one point, um, the devil revealed to him in one of these oppressive moments, if you will, uh, the devil revealed to him if there were if there were like two more priests like him, that his kingdom would come to an end, <laughs> which just shows you the 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 power of prayer yeah. and of and of suffering, you yeah. know, and, and of choosing that fasting, choosing that aesthetic, if you will, 
practice. Yeah. Mm. And of good holy priests. So I expect to see in the confessional 12 to 16 hours. <laughs> yeah. of that, Father, oh, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be something else. I guess. So final question before we close this portion. So kind of going back to those passages, just curious what you think, Father, uh, from the standpoint of obviously you're talking about uh, the authority that Christ gives to the church. So mm-hmm. when we think about that, um, you know, the sacraments, obviously, that a priest will confess, so, or even say confession, for an example. Obviously, myself as a, as a lay person cannot do that. But when he's talking about if your brother sins against you, go and tell your brother as a brother his fault against you. Yeah, what would you say is just like as lay people, like how do we appropriately do that with one another? Because obviously we're not forgiving sins, but yeah, how do we how do we bridge that gap in a way that is still charitable, hmm. right? In like the the Christian sense, I think one of the um, ways that we often talk about it is accountability, and, and as a matter of fact, we're we are accountable uh, for the ones or. We will be made accountable for the ones who um, are entrusted to us. So for you, Kevin, uh, you and Annie, it's going to be your child. And hopefully, God willing, you know, your children, right? Uh, For me, uh, which is actually very scary, it's... uh, Your cat? What's no, that? not your, your my cat. cat. No, my not cat. cat. Yeah, I don't have a cat. <laughs> uh, cats. Anyway, don't get me started on cats. <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, we digress. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's the, the all those who are in my quote unquote parish boundaries. Yeah. Right? We really don't have parish boundaries anymore. But all of those in that area where my parishes are, and sure. that's actually something I think about a lot and, and pray about a lot. But I'm going to be held accountable for. Did I call them to repentance? You know, you can also look not only to your your um, you know children, but also to to well, Matthew, you're in you're in seminary, right? Um, if you see your brothers straying, it's like, hey, there's there's a sense in which we need to also keep each other accountable um, mm-hmm. to the faith. And to get back to to touch on a point that we mentioned before, it's not because remember we don't achieve salvation just by ourselves. Like yeah. it's not just between me and Jesus. No, it's it's a community of faith. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like to say is that saints beget saints. You know, if you look, saints often come in pairs or like two or three. So you have like Saint Scholastica and Saint Benedict. You have um, um, Saint Ambrose and Saint Augustine. Yeah. You have uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, Saint Thomas Aquinas, and um, Saint Albert the Great, or not? Um, um, yeah, his teacher. Yeah, right? Saint Albert, Albert the Great. Great. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Yep. 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 Saint Albert the Great. There's and, and the list goes on and uh, Saint Rose of Lima and um, Saint Martin de Porres yeah. uh, were contemporaries and friends. Like, the list just goes on and on and on because holy people, when we get together, if you will, when one person is holy, we make each other more holy. Yep. Mm. Uh, it's not just about ourselves and Jesus Christ. No, it's about trying to gain souls for the Lord, yeah. um, which this was the great, of course, missionary action of the church for many years. And in many ways, sadly, we've kind of lost, right? You have a St. Francis Xavier who goes and baptizes tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people or whatever yeah. it is. Many of these saints who had this great missionary spirit who have, you know, you have the North American martyrs like uh, Jean de Brebeuf and, and Isaac Jogues, mm. um, who their stories are crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it was Isaac Jogues who literally, he was ministering to the to the uh, Native Americans or in, um, you know, New England. Well, it was like essentially yeah. where New York, New so York, yeah. Maine, Canada, somewhere. The, you know, yeah, Iroquois Ontario, were? Yeah. Right? Or, yeah, the Huron yeah. or something, yeah. yeah. And uh, he literally got his 
fingers gnawed off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally gnawed off. I think you gave a homily on this actually. I this, did. This I didn't. Familiar. Yeah, I did. This, yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's he, fascinating. I remember like looking it up. I'm like, this is such an interesting story. Yeah, he got yeah. his fingers gnawed off. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it was specifically um, back in the old right, if I'm not mistaken, you had your thumb and your index finger sure. were, were consecrated specifically for confecting the Eucharist. Mm. Uh, and so they gnawed those off, kind of thinking that they were magical digits, if you will. Um, he goes back to Rome and gets special permission from the Pope to say Mass with his other fingers that he has remaining, goes back uh, <laughs> to America, and then gets killed. They finish the job. Um, but, I mean, just think of that. I would be like, I'm glad to be out alive with yeah. the fingers that I have, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. No, he goes back. Like, think about the, the, just the drive they had in their, in their lives for the salvation of souls. And of course, it's so misunderstood nowadays, yeah. uh, in our culture where it's like, oh, they were oppressing these people. They didn't see it that way. Um, they saw it as, as a way to bring them to the Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's just kind of getting past yourself, your own self-consciousness, or like you said, what you think, like, ah, the culture won't accept this. But, I mean, obviously the church is timeless, and culture passes by, and it always does. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, to your point, is like, are we just going to have the, the fortitude from the Lord to just be like, that's right, it's it's not how people perceive me that really matters. Is, <laughs> am I trying to, like you said, bring souls to heaven, or um, even in a simple manner, just like, yeah, in a family unit for myself, like, Am I bringing my children closer to to the faith or um, you know siblings or something like that? I think sometimes we think it's this huge sphere of influence and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I mean Mother Mother Teresa always talked about that of just doing small acts, obviously with great kindness or great great love. One of the two, I think, both, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, we don't have to affect the entire world. We just have to affect that uh, the people in the world that the Lord has put around us, and that's always. That's always something. And, you know, you, you mentioned something uh, that's fascinating as well, uh, Kevin. If you look at the saints, they are never concerned with perception. Yeah. They don't They don't care. And, and that's so much, unfortunately, I believe, of what our church is caught up in often. Um, we have, you know, marketing departments. We have... Um, which not, not to say that we shouldn't, not to say that they're... That's they're, good because I'm in the marketing department. Yeah, they, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Don't cut me yet. <laughs> but where you you work for... A small company. Hopefully not they won't the, chur- not the church, though. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's, yeah, right. yeah, that's my yeah, point. Yeah, I'm talking about not. in the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're smart. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't raise it. Oh, no, um, no uh, it's, it, we have, we have the sense that, oh, if we can just put our best face forward, you know, in, in, in the church... Um, more people will fill the pews, and saints never worry about that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they offend a lot of people because of what they say. But then, of course, what what happens? They they bring much conversion, yeah. um, and much uh, grace into our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we always need to learn that as a church continually, because it's it's a struggle for the churches had forever. You know, because mm. that's it's again what we get back to pride. It's it's the pride of our of our human nature wanting to look, if you will, pristine, to do the right thing, to act in the right way, as opposed to saying, no, how can we teach what the Lord has taught us through his church? How can we proclaim it? How can we live it and call others to live the same and let his grace work? Because it's not us who's operating, it's actually him who's operating. Beautiful. Beautiful.